You know, that, that song just... You know, whenever I hear that song, I'm, I'm reminded of who wrote that song. Uh, it's a man named Dennis Jernigan. And I don't know if you know his story or not. Nope, still doing it. That wasn't the problem. <clears throat> if you hear a pop every once in a while, that's just this thing. Keeping the time. But Den- Dennis Jernigan, if you aren't aware, I mean, that, did you know that song? I noticed, too, that the year said 1991. Um, that was, I thought that was seven years ago, but it's not. <laughs> it's like 25. <laughs> so 25 years ago, that, that song was written. Uh, but Dennis Jernigan was a man who uh, lived and was a homosexual for his, uh, up into his adult life until God delivered him. Supernaturally, we gave his heart to the Lord, and he was delivered from that. He was free, and uh, got married, started having kids. He's still free. <laughs> That's good news. Sometimes we hear about things and think, oh, it's, that's, those things can't be overcome come by God. We hear about people addicted to drugs or... You know, people that look like lost causes, we need to be reminded that Jesus is able to save anybody. That he's, he's able to save. Again, doesn't mean, and we have to be careful because the church, in terms of the gay community, we've been pretty good at judging, not good at loving. We've been pretty good at pointing the finger, but not reaching the hand out. Uh, I won't beat you up too much on that. I think we all have the right heart here. We may not ha- know how to use it. Uh, but, man, there's, there's going to be a move of God in our country. And uh, it's going to change a lot of lives. There's going to be people who are really hateful people that are going to ter- be turned into loving people. There's going to be really religious people that are going to get turned really spiritual people. There's going to be really addicted people that are going to get to be really free people. There's going to be really uh, bound and enslaved people that are going to be totally free and, and released. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, we need to be reminded no matter what someone is caught in, no matter what snare they're in, that Jesus can free them. And, and that He is the answer. He's still the answer. There's a lot of questions right now in our world, in our country. My wife said, uh, I thought it was interesting. I think she was trying to ease us into it. She said, I'm not sure we're a Christian nation anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, we stopped being a Christian nation more 25 years ago. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, this stuff was already there a long, long time ago. If you were in the bigger cities... A little sheltered here out in Midland, Texas. I moved out here. You can still pray at football games. Never never heard that in my life growing up. Never once. Shocked that that could even happen. Not that I didn't like it. It was just you would never even think to do that. Most of the rest of our nation has already been in that place for a long, long time. And so it can be depressing. But I think God, what God wants to use it for is to wake up His people. To say, hello. Playing, playing the game's not going to work anymore. Playing church, 
just showing up on Sunday, and if that's all there is, then it's not going to work anymore. We've got to, we've got to love people. We've got to reach them where they're at. I love my wife's intro. If you weren't here at the start of the service, talking about you know four-year-old girls that thought God was a cuss word, didn't know he was a person, didn't know he he was the King of Kings. Man, she just soaked in everything. Four years old, but she was very aware of what what we were talking about. She just soaked it in upstairs at the Bible story time. I was there. Man, it was awesome. And then when when it came time when we presented Jesus and we had Jeremiah up here as Jesus, who was God the Father? And Jacob was was God the Father. Great, just a little picture, very simple. I mean, here's the other thing: is the kids were so quiet. Did you catch that? When Ashley was presenting the good news of the gospel, the Holy Spirit was just here. It was just like these crazy halfway humans <laughs> became full humans with ears. But man, the anointing of God, he loves, to, he loves to bring salvation to anybody, any age. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but man, there's all kinds of people that think God's a cuss word. <laughs> Oh, they need to be introduced. They don't need to be argued into a relationship with God. They need to be introduced to a person. Uh, Turn to John chapter 5. We're just going to go here for just a few minutes. Honduras team, we are meeting after this, so help me remember. (laughs) We'll have 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 a short meeting to touch base. Uh, John chapter 5 and verse 17. Most of our VBS stories were from John, so I'm just kind of staying in John. This is a scripture that uh, my dad shared last weekend as he was sharing with us men. He just, it was just a real kind of a side note um, type of thing. But he talked about when you, when you see what's going on in the world, when you watch the news, you can... You can start watching the news, you get drawn into all the bad stuff, whatever's going on, and go, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's happening with our world? What's happening with our country? Can you believe we have, well, we actually have three, four presidential candidates, by the way. Uh, I don't know if any of them are good. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend that you vote for anybody. I'd recommend that you pray and let the Lord speak to your heart. But uh, it doesn't look like a lot of good options, so obviously God's not going to save our country through our leadership. He's not going to change our country through our leadership. He might, he might want to use somebody different. He might want to use somebody that's already tuned in. And if God gets one of those people saved and gets them in there, I'm all for that. That's fine too. Uh, but my hope is not going to be in that. But we can look at that and go, man, this is depressing. you know. And my dad said, first of all, he doesn't watch the news very often. But he says when he does, he hears the Lord say this scripture to him. Which is this, 517, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work. My Father is always at work. To this very day, and I too am working. Just, I think this was huge, because it was like, man, if, if I could hear all the bad stuff that's happening. Look, we had another, wasn't there another attack in Istanbul? Uh, I mean, our world is going nuts. And you almost wonder, it's like, is it just because we're hearing about more of this stuff or is more of it happening? I don't know. You know, it's like news travels like this. You know, you can blow up the Internet with some big event. We've got, we had ones in our own, our own country in, in Florida. What a, what, a, what a tragedy. 
San Bernardino. We start naming off, you start naming cities where you hear of stuff happening, you know, in Paris. You know, there's been a lot. Our world is in, is in turmoil. But, and, and it's easy to get focused on the bad stuff. And I just thought this was a great tool that I want to start with this morning is this. Whenever you hear that stuff, if you can't hear God say it, just say it in your mind. Say, my father's at work. My father's always at work. So no matter what we see on the news, God's working. And we have to understand that because we live in the United States, which is a very small percentage of the world's population, a huge percentage of the world's ego, but a small percentage of the world's population, comparatively. Good influence, big influence, I'm not denied our influence, but in terms of the number of people in the world, there's only, what, 350 million people here. We're a small, we're a small chunk. We're really a small percentage of the world. God has his eye on the whole world. So we may not see him working here as much as we'd like, and he wants us to pray for that, but he is, he is doing all kinds of things all over our world. There are Muslims coming to Jesus Christ by the, by the thousands. You're not going to hear it on the news, of course. <laughs> But it's happening. There's, all, there's, there's, there's villages coming to Jesus in these countries that are closed. And we can't even name the, the people that are there, but they're seeing it. You know, we have to change their names. I mean, I got a guy, I got a guy that I lived down the hall from in the dorm in college, in Bible college. And when I met him at convention, he had a different name on his name tag. His name said Jason. And I'm like, your name's not Jason. And then I'm like, oh, you can't say your real name here, even in the United States. You know, they've had, it was an interesting thought. We don't think about this, but if you have a missionary come visit, and then we take pictures and we post it on Facebook, boom, we just blew somebody's cover. So this guy, Jason, is now the regional overseer for uh, the southeastern Asian area. And the problem is, when you're that dude, people want to kill you. So he can't be his real name anymore, which I won't mention. But he has to, he's, he's now Jason. He went through and changed his whole way of communicating. Like, we're shutting down. He, had, he used this whole way of communicating with us. I'm not using this anymore. Here's how you can be directed to communi- where you will get the updates. But it's a more secure way of communicating on the Internet. You know, that's a, that's a reality in our world, but my father's at work. God's at work all the time. So if you don't see him, then say, God, show me what you're doing. I mean, that's why Jesus was always doing stuff. There was always something happening with Jesus. You know why? Why? Because he says later on, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He, he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Jesus was connected to the father so he knew what he was doing. My father's always at work. Man, I want to get that a little bit better. 
You know, if, if I knew that God was always at work, I would be a little more paying a little more attention to what He's doing rather than paying attention to my problems. Not that, you know, He's supposed to take care of those, right? Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. So you let Him take care of that and then you can be a part of what He's doing around you. But I encourage you, if you, if you start hearing a bunch of bad stuff, oh, let's start, let, hey, let's talk about Mid, Midland Independent School District. Lowest rating in the entire state of Texas. Lowest rating. Let's talk about how bad all the stuff is. But let's just say, hey, my father's at work. Amen. What's God doing at Midland High? What's God doing at the elementary schools that I don't know the names of? Emerson or whatever one is close by you. What's God doing there? Drive both those places and say, my father's at work there. God, what are you doing in that school? What are you doing in that place? When you drive by downtown, look up at City Hall and think about the, the mayor and the city council and go, God, what are you doing there? My, my father's at work there. I believe in God's at work in my city. I believe God's at work at my workplace. When you step into your office or place of work, my father's at work. My father's always at work. He's always doing something whether I see it or not. Now, why did Jesus say that, though? Well, it's the first part of chapter 5. Let's read it together. Or you can follow along. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38, excuse me, 38 years. When he saw, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, look at what Jesus says. Do you want to get well? Jesus didn't say, oh man, that's really terrible. (laughs) <laughs> he kind of asked a little bit of, you know, he went, uh, that was a direct question like there. Hey, do you want to get better or not? <laughs> do you want to get well? You know, some people don't want to get well. Maybe you should ask yourself that. Do you want to get well? Some of you are, yes. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, if there's, you know, sometimes we settle for things in our lives, you know, well, that's just the way I am. And like Jesus would come up to us and ask the question, Hey, do you want to be free from that? Do you want to talk to your spouse the same way your whole life? Or do you want to get well? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Do you want to blow up at your kids like that? Or do you want to get well? Do you want to be stuck in that same cycle of whatever? Or do you want to get well? You know, when we've been in something a long time, it's, it's a good question for Jesus to ask us. Hey, do you want out of that or do you, do you really like that? Do you like that too much for me to get you free from it? And here's the good news. Here's the great news. The answer of the invalid. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, the belief was that an angel would, would come down and, and stir the waters up. And then the first person in the water would be healed. Now, the Bible isn't necessarily verifying that that was true, but that was the superstitious belief. 
You know, that was like, if I just do it just right, if I do this. So this guy, he doesn't even answer the question. He gives an excuse. Well, I, I, you know, I just haven't had the right person pray for me. Or, you know, if, if our pastor had more faith, he would lay hands on me and I'd be well right now. <laughs> I know none of you have ever said that. <laughs> Maybe you thought it. <laughs> Man, I wish that person was, you know, if they could just pray for me better, then I'd, I'd be better. I mean, that's kind of, he's kind of pointing the finger. I can't get in, you know, that guy, you know, the other lame guy over there got him ahead of me. <laughs> Man, all the blind people, they've got their ears so tuned in, they just hear the sound of the water and they just jump right in. There's, a, there's just an excuse. <laughs> and so Jesus, then Jesus says to him, Get up. Get up. I think Jesus said it pretty firmly too. I don't think he said, get up. No, I think he was like, get up. Just like probably cut him off and then said, so I can't get in, I can't, I can't. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And here's the amazing thing. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now here's the deal. Sometimes Jesus healed people and he had them do something. He had them exercise faith. Here, this dude... He doesn't exercise any faith. He's not trusting Jesus. He's not believing Jesus for healing. He's not. He didn't do anything. It says he was cured before he got up. Who had the faith for him to get healed? Jesus. Jesus did, does something sometimes by just mercy, just his mercy and grace. says, I'm going to heal this dude. I'm just going to do it. He does, he, he's not asking for it. He's not believing for it. Have you ever had God do something in your life where He just does something? He just does it just because He's good. He's like, I'm just going to... Why did Jesus... There's sick people all over the place. Man, there's probably somebody more desperate than this dude, but for some reason Jesus just says, I'm going to bless this guy. I'm going to show mercy upon him. I'm going to try to reach out to him. He was trying to draw something out of him. It didn't work. So He's like, well, get up. Just, you know, it says, at once the man was cured. Then He picked up and mounted his walk. He didn't, he didn't exercise any faith. He was still laying there and then got better. He's like, I felt something. Boom, I can move my legs now. Oh, I'm going to get up now. Now that I can walk, I will. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Oh, there we go. Jesus and the Sabbath day. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> He's still kind of making excuses, don't you think? Not my fault. <laughs> hey, somebody else told me to do this. I'm just doing it. I... <laughs> this guy cracks me up. I, I hope I meet him in heaven. Just ask him, what was wrong with you, brother? <laughs> I hope you're better now. Uh, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away in the crowd. I don't know. (laughs) Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Yes, that's in the Bible. From Jesus' mouth. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. 
Does, I, I'd love to hear the rest of the story of this dude because, like, does he ever get it? Because can you see? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Hey, uh, it, was, it was this guy. I found him. <laughs> He's the one who did all the bad stuff. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what sin he was supposed to stop. But Jesus gave him a warning. We don't know what happened to him. But we do know this. If he kept in the way he was going, he was going to be sick again. He was going to be laying there again on the mat sitting by the pool. There's a lot of good stuff in there that I just preached, huh? (laughs) Mostly God just preached, just read the Bible. But here's the deal. I want us to just talk a little bit about the, the religious spirit here, the religious Pharisees. You know, it's, it's interesting that the religious spirit tries to creep in legalism, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, can you imagine? These are, the, these are the people that are supposed to be following God, who know the word of God, who know the truth of God. And they're upset that a healed guy is carrying his mat on, well, for us it would be, we could say Sunday, on the holy day. I mean, how twisted, how far do you have to get from God where you're so concerned about some rule that you're not happy that somebody got healed? You know, the religious spirit tries to creep in any chance it can get in our lives as, as, as believers. Because, you know, be, here, here's the deal. Before you're saved, here's what happens. Before you give your heart to the Lord... What is the devil and the demons whispering in your ears? You're good. You don't need that stuff. You don't need Jesus. You don't need the Bible. You don't need any of that. You're fine the way you are. That's just all make-believe. It's, it's a fairy tale. That's just like believing in you know, anything else. It's, it's, you know, those people are delusional. Now, what happens when you give your heart to the Lord and you're now saved, you're now free from, from sin, and you're a child of the King, you've been brought transferred from darkness into light? Now what does the devil and his demons whisper in your ear? You're not really saved. When you prayed, that wasn't the right prayer. It probably wasn't real for you. Uh, Hey, look at the way you you still sin. You still sin a lot. (laughs) You're really sinning a lot right now. (laughs) Are you sure you're you're really a believer? are Are you just faking it? Isn't that what the enemy does? He, he tell, he's always lying, so he, ha, he has to lie, right? He can't tell the truth. <laughs> it's his native language to lie. And so the religious spirit is just one of those lies that comes in that says, hey, it's more important that this guy doesn't do this certain thing than that he got healed. You know, it can be, it can be so subtle, you know. It's just where anytime I'm more concerned about it being done the right way than about the result of what God is doing. We can see something and we go, oh, that's just, oh, that's just not the right way. Then God is doing something and we're, we're more concerned, man, he, it didn't happen the way I thought it should or, oh, well, the way we did it. <laughs> if, if we start getting into the way we did things, <laughs> we get in trouble, don't we? Well, the way it was done back in my day... <laughs> You know, for all of us, it's, it's going back farther and farther back in our day, right? 
long time ago, back in our day. You know, we didn't we didn't allow that kind of thing. And again, I'm not talking about clear sinful things. I mean, there's stuff that's clearly right and wrong. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the things like this that don't matter. Were they were the Jews not supposed to work on the Sabbath? Was that true? Was was that a command from God? I don't want to answer. Yes. Two of you, one of you were shaking your head, one said, "Yes, it was." That was really God's God's law in the Old Testament. Don't do any work. God rested on the seventh day. So, but what they had misinterpreted was they had misinterpreted work. So they'd taken what God meant and they'd turned it into something else. Usually man-made, it gets a whole lot harder. So if you find your relationship with God gets more and more complicated and you get more and more rules and more and more don't do this, do this, do that, then you're, you're getting into the law. You're getting into the religious spirit is, is having influence in your life because you're more concerned about this than you are with just Jesus being Jesus. You know, there's so many times where Jesus did things on the Sabbath. I almost think he just he was just waiting. He, Jesus likes to really tick off the religious spirit. I mean, he just really likes to get those demons all stirred up. <laughs> He's always going to be doing something to get you out of legalism or religious mindsets because you know there's no life there man where was the life happening when they were telling all the people don't do this don't do that don't don't carry your mat that way you can't do that on saturday oh your your animal this your you know you can't treat your slaves this way or your you know your family you can't do this and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) you know supposedly they say that back in that time that the the religious leaders had added like over 500 rules you know, to all these things you had to keep track of. So it's like following God was so complicated. It was like, okay, was that rule 297? Or I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> so if it gets too complicated, you get too many, too many rules in place because it's, it's, about, it's about my father being at work and me joining my heart with my father. When I do that, do I follow the right rules? Yeah, you do. When you're walking in the Spirit, do you gratify the desires of the flesh? No. It says if you walk in the Spirit, you won't. If you walk in the Spirit, it's impossible to gratify the desires of the flesh. So the answer is not to work on not doing the desires of the flesh. The answer is to work on walking in the Spirit. You don't try not to do the negative. You work with the positive, and the positive works in you because you're a new person. So now you don't have to worry about the negative. It becomes less of a battle when you're walking in the Spirit. And so Jesus was just trying to bring life. He's just trying to say, look, this is a life. I mean, what's another time Jesus came? I just read this to my son the other night. He said, I want to hear a, hear a story I haven't heard in the Bible before. And it's, we're running out of them. Um, he's read all his children's Bibles and we're reading the real Bible now. And he's, you know, it's, it's, what a, it's awesome. Uh, He's like, oh, I read all those parables. I don't need to read them again. I said, well, son, you can read the Bible more than once. So um, <laughs> I already heard that. <laughs> well, now, let me pull something out that you haven't heard there, little boy. <laughs> but we were reading, and, you know, it's, it's the story of the man with a shriveled hand. And it, it always moves my heart because the Pharisees bring this guy in. And they're literally trying, they're wanting to trap Jesus. So they use this guy who's got this deformed hand, who's got all this shame, all this, all this anger about the way his life turned out, probably some uh, 
just discouragement, embarrassment, whatever. And they bring him forward and they just kind of set him there in the middle of their synagogue meeting. And they're just waiting for Jesus, it says, to do something. And so Jesus looks at them and says, hey, what do you think? Is it, is it better to, to do good on the Sabbath or do evil? And nobody answers. Nobody answers. Nobody can even answer and say, it's better to do good. I don't care what the rules are. If it's good, then I'm going to do it. It's better to do good. That's the spirit of the law. That's the spirit. That's what, that's what it was meant to be. And it says Jesus looked around them in anger. He was angry that this man had been bound and he was meant to be free. And these people wanted to keep him bound. Because the religious spirit doesn't want people to get free. It wants, it wants us controlled. It wants us controlled and safe and doing all the right religious things. And here's the deal. Jesus doesn't touch him. Jesus doesn't do anything. He just says to the man, stretch out your hand. Jesus gets around it because he doesn't really do anything, right? (laughs) He can get around the religious rule too sometimes. Just say, I told you I'm smarter than you. Stretch out your hand. The man stretched his hand out. He did something this time, Edie. He activated his faith and he was healed. His hand became new. Then it says the Pharisees went out. Instead of being excited, the religious people were not excited that a guy's arm grew out. That would excite me. <laughs> I hope. I hope that would excite me. And if the prayer didn't sound quite right, or I thought, well, that, that theology isn't quite right, the way that person prayed for that person. And then somebody gets healed, I'm wor- worried about the way they prayed That's how I know the religious spirit is getting a hold of me. Where I'm more worried about the rules than I am about seeing God do something. And so, man, it says the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. And here's a guy who got free from a deformed hand, from a withered hand that he'd had probably, well, it's hard. It doesn't say how long, but maybe a lot of his life. Probably most likely he was born that way. He was free. So let's not let that thing creep in. Amen? Let's not let that religious spirit creep in. Uh, You know, that thing creeps in when we hear somebody pray with someone to receive salvation. We're like, well, they didn't say this right word. They forgot to say the word repent or they forgot to say this word. It's like, look, and God's probably up there going, dude, what is wrong with you? I'm working in their heart. It's a heart exchange, not just them saying the right words. It's they're believing in their heart. And there's something in their heart. And they're just, you know, just give them some direction to say, God, I need you. You can pray, God, I need you and get saved. I mean, go ahead and tell someone to repent. That's good. I'm not saying not to, but it's like if we're more worried. I mean, I remember doing that. You know, it's like, uh, you know, oh, we got to lead somebody to Jesus. Okay. I've got to remember all the things to say. The first time I did it, I'm like, oh, I gotta believe that he raised on oh, da, da, he got this or he raised from the dead. I gotta believe he's the son of God and I gotta do all this. And and that's again. But do I have to say all that in the prayer? For a person to be saved? 
The religious spirit says, yes, you do. God says, stretch out your hand. Get up and pick up and walk. Get your mat and walk. I'd, I'd rather have you walking and carrying something than laying there obeying the rules. Let's not let that thing creep in. I'm done. Let's stand. Lord, we just thank you that you're always at work. I pray for every single person here. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of revelation that you would come, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see what you're doing. That you are always at work, Father. That what you are doing is good. That you are at work in our earth. We refuse to, to glorify the devil when we see the bad news and we, we focus on that and we dwell on that, God, we just, we just ask for you to forgive us. When we have focused more on that, when we have fo- focused more on who's going to be the president or who's going to protect us from terrorism or who's going to do this or that, instead of looking to you and saying, God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in our nation? What are you doing in my city? I believe you're at work. I believe the Father is at work right now. God, let me see what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing as well. If I, if I can be in the area, God, and be around what you're doing. Let me be a part of it. Give us eyes to see, God. We need that revelation to come. And then we'll see the kingdom of God advance in power and, and in unity, God, and with the fullness of your grace. And God, we just pray also that we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be the reason that Jesus would have to even talk about the Father working, which was basically to say, look, you've missed it. You've missed it. You've missed the point. You've missed what I'm doing. Lord, whatever subtle ways that legalism or the religious spirit would come into our hearts, Lord, we ask for that to be broken in the name of Jesus. That we don't want that in our lives. God, we want, we want the life-giving spirit of God doesn't mean we don't value truth, God. You value truth. You are the truth. You and the Holy Spirit, you lead us into all truth. It's the real truth that you lead us into, not the truth we make on our own and we try to control or we try to fabricate with our, with our man-made wisdom. Thank you, God, for salvation, God. Lord, give us eyes to see what you're doing around us, God. We are so thankful that we have been saved, that we have been brought in. Help us have eyes to see and know that there's those who've never heard not to assume that everyone's heard God we just ask you to remind us that that we can be bringers of good news to people in Jesus name Amen Amen if you need prayer come on up or grab somebody next to you and Honduras team will meet in just a few minutes here up front here